Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Edit audio. You know, it is such an odd thing for me to look back on the fact that the one project where I finally broke through in my career was a podcast about LGBTQ families. I mean, I was basically standing at a bullhorn yelling about how I was this giant lesbian for all the world to see. And that may not seem like a big deal for many folks today, but I was trying to build a career pre-Ellen, pre-representation in the media. And for years, I hid not only on stage, but also at my day job because I was afraid I might lose my job. I became adept at dropping indigo girls or softball team references into conversations in order to see if somebody was on my team. But I was also careful to just be vague enough in case they weren't. I was able to hide. I was able to pass. Code switching was a choice for me. But that is not the case for so many other folks in the workplace today. Hello, folks. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but you know, not in an NPR way, more like a we're at the bar, we're having cocktails, and I am getting into your business sort of way. Oh, we love a cocktail. Oh, and producer Steph is here too. Oh, yeah. Hi, that's me. Today we chat, well, code switching at work. Woo, okay. Today's guest is a friend of Well Adjusting, Yaz. I loved this conversation with like a capital loved. We started off talking about wearing black nail polish to work and we ended up at code switching and the fine line between educating other people versus their responsibility to show up with some research and knowledge already in the bank. Now, this is a big conversation, so let's cut the lollygagging and get right to it. So my background is working in the renewable energy industry. Everything for us, to do for us with lay folks, energy. is that like you're an engineer? Yeah, I am an engineer. My title is a renewable energy engineer actually currently. Um, so I went to school for engineering. So I'm very used to this environment of being in, well, in, in settings where people are generally not good at communicating, right? Am I, am so, I wrong as engineering? I know I'm about to make a sweeping generalization, but I do think as a lesbian who was once <laughs> a phys ed major that sometimes sweeping generalizations happen for a reason. 
Is, yeah, absolutely. Is engineering a predominantly white male industry? Not white male industry, I wouldn't say. Um, definitely a male-dominated industry. Um, in first year, our ratio of men to women were um, probably like 40 to 60. Um, you know, 40% women, yep. 60% men. Um, and then by the end of it, it was like 20% women and like oh. 80% men. It got worse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it got worse. Because like when you're in an environment like that, you really like start to you know reflect on like whether you want to do this for the rest of your life, right? And um, it's really difficult to communicate with other engineers, right? So a lot of like men in engineering come across very aggressively to the women, right? Like yeah. there are a lot of like very awkward men constantly hitting on oh. women. I think more than anything... <laughs> That's what actually drove the women out. Wow. Yeah, yeah. At least, like, this is from my experience, right? Yeah. Like, I mean... And, like, do, are you... Like, I'm just picturing you being like, guys, come on. Come on. Just, like, <laughs> let her do her job. Like, just take your hand off her ass. I mean, yeah, let her do her homework, right? <laughs> like, I actually, like, once I graduated engineering, I was just like, I'm just going to stay away from this. Like, there's no point. This isn't the industry for me. The engineering that I did, though, was sustainable and renewable energy engineering. It was a very, like, niche crowd. Yeah. Um... Because they were engineers, they were very good technically, but um, they actually cared about the environment too, right? So like, mm -hmm. it was it was really nice to be in that environment for sure. Um, but once I graduated, I moved on to policy, and once I went into industry, I realized that people value me for that engineering experience that I have or that right. engineering education, and I found myself in these rooms with like these people who were making big decisions. Yeah. And I realized that at 24, I was advising them technically on like what they should or shouldn't do. And I was just like, I'm not the person who should be doing this. You should consult <laughs> with a professional organization or something that have like research and yeah. like, you know, data to like back yeah. up what they're doing. Not just your gut check. Not, not <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not I really just me. feel like, like we should make a right here. Yeah. What's so funny is the difference between you and me is that I'd be like, of course they should hear my opinion. Like, what an asshole I am. Like, you're like, you're like, I don't know, I'm not the one to do this. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey, friends. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think you are going to like. Okay, Bill Burke is the host of the weekly podcast, Blue Sky, where he interviews individuals tackling the world's most significant challenges with hope and optimism. Sounds right up your alley, right? Exactly what we thought. All right, it's brought to you by the Optimism Institute, which was also founded by Bill, to sprinkle a bit of positivity on your view of the future, especially with the media often showing us just the gloomier side of things. On Blue Sky, you're going to hear optimism about topics on everything from climate change and AI to homelessness and immigration and more, and they're offering diverse perspectives. You're going to finish each episode feeling brighter about the world and optimistic about our collective future. The name Blue Sky, well, it's inspired by a meditation prompt symbolizing the idea 
that beyond the clouds, there's always blue sky, encouraging a broader perspective. The Blue Sky Podcast is available for listening on all major podcast platforms, inviting everyone to look beyond the clouds and embrace a more hopeful view of the future. I'll tell you what, I'll be listening. The first day I was working, um, I had to go onto a site where where I was basically in the middle of Long Island. And um, I think Long Island is like notoriously known mm-hmm. for like, you know, blue collar work. And so most of the people that I met over there um, were very um, just... Not open? Yeah, not open. And <laughs> it was it was actually quite difficult to like, you know, fit in, especially because like I just come from another organization that was extremely progressive Canadian, like mm-hmm. based out of Montreal. So this Long Island is where your job was based. Yeah. So the first, like one of the projects that I was working on, okay. that I was going to be put on, um, on my first day, I went onto the site and I basically like had to interact with like subcontractors and like mm-hmm. other people that we were working with. And it was just like, it's completely different because like I'm just chatting to someone and they're telling me about how like females who work at their workplace um, are just kind of useless and like are only Ooh. good for admin, you know. Ooh. And so when like things like that are being said to me, like, you know, um, I'm looking at my coworker for guidance because I was just like, okay, what's like our. Because like, personal Yaz wants this? to be like, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. But but work Yaz has to look around the room and say what is the response I'm expected to give? Right, exactly. I mean, especially because it's my first day, right? So I'm just like, I'm not going to like partake in this conversation. So I just like stood there and just smiled. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Smiled and like nodded my head, right? Um, And my coworker kind of chimed in, but didn't really Yeah, bitches and hoes. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) Like just very high level. Um, And then like once he left, my coworker was just like, that was just so inappropriate. Like I just don't understand. And I was just like, okay, cool. So- so I'm in a place like, that's at least not terrible. Thankful. Yeah, you were like yeah. at least thankful, but he did play along a little he bit. He did play along, right? right? And then that's when I used the word code switch because I was just like, you know what, you do this so well. Like, you know, like I've seen you speak um, on meetings, like, you know, like during the interview and stuff like that. And he came across very formal. But like in this situation, like I just, I saw a side of him that I just hadn't seen. I, I said to him, I was just like, you know what, you code switched so well. Did he know what it meant? No, but he was very amused by it. He was just like, Oh, code switch. I've never used that word ever. Oh. This is such a great place to use it. So I mean, like it was, it was cool. Like, I mean, I feel like still to this day, you know, like we've worked together for like four or five months. There is a lot I'm teaching him, you know, about yeah. being a bit more progressive. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really interesting. So did you end up staying on that job? And if so, I want to hear how did you manage those relationships? Because those people told you who they were right out of the gate. Like they, yeah. they told you that they're, you know, misogynist. They told you that they, they're going to hit on women. They've told you and your coworkers while they said on the side, like, oh, that sucked. They still played along. Yeah. So, you now know you have to be a person that plays along with something that may not be in your personal gut check. Yeah. I think I've always been a person as well that is generally in that position a lot, like where I am in, in front of people who think a certain type of way about, you know, the way that I look, but they like, I create a safe space where they're able to like share, like, you know, whatever, 
what their actual true feelings are. Can you can you say more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you an example. Actually, yeah. while I was working in Long Island, there was a point where I had to work with the security for one of the schools. Like the security team was probably like four or five people big, but the leader of the security team was coming in, like interacting with me um, because I was managing like everything that was going on on the site. And they were basically lifting panels onto the rooftop. So like the entire area had to be blocked off. Yeah. And also like inside the school, just in case, you know, the roof collapsed sure. for any reason, like we had to like Let's empty not out. kill children. You know, that exactly. seems like a wise idea. Yeah, yeah, I'm exactly. So basically like when this whole thing was happening, um, the security person came outside and informed me that there was a teacher inside the school. So we basically had to like halt all activities, of course. But when he came to me, he was just like, oh, there's someone in the school. Um, what do you think we should do about it? And then the crane operator was there with me as well and was just like, well, what does she look like? Because it was like, if she's attractive, like, you know, we should be safe. We should save her. If not, you know, if not, it's fine if she gets crushed, right? Like, that's, that, it was just like so <gasps> disappointing like really nice to like guy. see that this was said in front of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to hang out with him. What's his name? <laughs> that asshole. It, it was really sad because there is a very small community of crane lift operators. Mm. Um, and a lot of them are, you know, similar to him. You know, and you're like, like I, I don't want to work with that. But like, you have to. You have to work with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, we were desperate also as well. Like, So how do you write that for yourself? Like, what do you, do you just put it in a box? No. So like, I mean, you know, there were, there were two things I could have done, right? One let it slide just like yeah. let them get on with the day right or to like actually report it right mm-hmm. um i actually let let him get away with it because yep. i know what like how difficult it was to get this crane operator over here right and like how long it would take how how much it would push the project back if i actually spoke up about it yeah um you know what they ended up saying though like what came out of that was um and this just like boggles my mind that this was even being done in front of me especially because like i was managing the site yeah right? i was gonna say you're the, the you're the executive professional on site mm-hmm. and they're just like Bap. like they don't care yeah it's yeah. a really weird sound i just made i'm sorry the security guy <laughs> came outside and was just like on a scale of zero to ten <gasps> she kind of looks like a coyote <sighs> holy fuck and then right after that the crane operator was just like oh well i guess you can stay inside then and at that point, I was just like, all right, guys, like, you know, can you take me to her, please? And let's have her escorted out. And I basically told the crane operator to, like, you know, you um, take five, hold but the exhibits, yeah. basically. But I mean, I, I keep going back to, like, this is your, like, the older I've gotten, the more I'm like, I'm spending so much time every week with these people. I care less about the place and the job. I care more about the experience and the, and the connection with the people. Yeah. And you obviously don't have that Mm -hmm. or you have found maybe pockets of people. So what inspired me to go into this field specifically into like the engineering field was because I was seeing these decisions that were being made in political settings. And I was just like, I'm not happy with this. Yeah. And so like I would. A different type of slimy. Yeah, exactly. And I do, I do want to be like eventually be in like politics or like be not not necessarily politics but like i do want to be in the political space like i I do want to be in an environment like where i would be able to like create legislation around like you know clean energy goals sure 
and in order to like make like real impact like i want to be able to like take my engineering experience and put that towards making sound decisions for you know whatever like decisions we're coming up with in policy right um that's where i want to go um and i was just like i'm not going to be able to do that without engineering experience because i do need to build like technical experience so you're eating it a little bit i am that's that's what this was and when i began like i was just looking directly at the team that i was working with and you know in the interviews like i spoke to everyone on the team um and yeah everyone seemed progressive everyone seemed like cool and you know i was just like i'm gonna be here for a year yeah maybe two can i suck it up and just like take it yeah you know like the salary was great too so i was just like all right cool like i mean i also wouldn't mind this salary right yeah. like, engineering salaries are decent as I, I was basically like you know what i'll suck it up and whatever the environment is like on the other side of this we'll just deal with it i do think it's amazing what we as humans are able to put up with if we know there's a time limit on it like there, there's I, I feel like there's something in our brain that sort of just goes and then you take that little piece of shit and you put it in a compartment that's over here and you put a box around it and you go, yep, no, nope, but it's just two years yeah. or so, you know, just like whatever that thing yeah. is, you, 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 you put it in a space so that you can deal with it. I think totally we have an incredible so. ability to rationalize things as humans. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, that's what I'm telling myself every day, right? Like at this point, this is like a place where I'll be able to like develop myself. And on the other side of this, I'll be able to, you know, reach my actual goals. What do you do to um, to make it right for yourself? Like, do you think about the future? Do you just think of it one day at a time? Like, what do you do in order to like? That's a great question. Um, Thanks. It's a <laughs> it's it's a mix of things. I think like I, I definitely like um, I haven't actively given this thought, but I think I do take it day by day. I do look at my like daily tasks and I'm just like, all right, am I doing what I wanted to do over here? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, in some cases, maybe like three, four hours out of the day, I'm just like, yeah, absolutely. But the other hours out of the day, I'm just like, no, I'm not. Um, and I'm like really trying to focus on the stuff that is actually like building my knowledge. I also do really value the fact that I'm learning something new every single day. I remember when we did a pre-call, yeah. you like had like black nail polish or you were talking about it and like you were like, we were going to go into the office and you yeah. felt like you had to take it off oh, because people yeah. would be like, what is he doing? Yeah. So the office is actually quite empty at the moment. Everyone plans to come in for one day a week. And when they do come in, it's, it, it's cool. Basically, like I'm just in the office with a bunch of white males. Like I don't think that in the office I've ever been with anyone like uh, actually like one admin staff who was a woman and that was it actually like i mean it's first the head of hr was probably a lady yeah head head of hr is always a black lady she's a very recent hire but before that it was a white male yeah right so i mean like oh really usually it's a white lady they're they're trying to focus on it like and when i say focus i mean like they have a dei organization and then that's it yeah 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 i i went to an all-white high school, almost. Mm. I mean, there was one family, maybe two families, black families. And then 
maybe 6% people of color in my college. Yeah. Like, I mean, I grew up, up upstate New York. It was a very whitey white place. Yeah. And I, now that I'm older and have thought more of it, I think of the pressure that those folks must have felt. Like, do you feel like as the DEI stuff is coming up, they're all like turning to you mean like, do you want to run the organization? Or do you feel like that's not part of your conversation? I think that, um, I, th- I think that in environments like that, when you're growing up and you're just completely surrounded by white people, like, I think that, you start identifying with them you kind of like you don't really like see the difference between like yourself and them it's very specific situations where it's just like there is a difference and people treat you different but like you're with them constantly and like you know everyone treats each other the same right generally right um and so the time when you start to realize it i think is when you actually step out of that environment where you're just like oh i'm not around just like white people anymore and you're just like oh i'm around other people of color as well or other people who look like me that's when like i guess like for me specifically, I was just like, oh, actually, I hear this person's experiences. And like, yeah, I realized like, you know, this person has experience of microaggressions. Um, and I didn't realize like how much it influenced them. And I was just like, wait, one sec, like that happened to me too. I didn't really like think about this, but it did affect me a little bit. It did mm-hmm. affect like how I carried myself. And Can you say more about that? Like... When I'm like with all of my white friends, right? Like if we just go out somewhere, I think I was always ready to be singled out at some point, you know, like for people to treat me differently. It was just so normal that I was just like completely fine with it. Well, that's interesting though, that you had to become fine with it because that was part of, you can rage against it or you can. But like the thing is like, how would I rage against it when I didn't even know how I was supposed to act, right? Like it's, wow, it was one of those is one of those things, right? Where I I hadn't seen examples of this in my life. You know, I hadn't seen like the pop culture that I was exposed to did not address how like minority groups are viewed in like, you know, Western, like white dominant cultures. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just like didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, you know, this is kind of how it is. We just kind of have to like suck it up and just like move along. You know, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I think after BLM, like that definitely came up. I think someone who I really related to was um, Lewis Hamilton. So like, I mean, he really spoke up about this because he was just like, I'm the only black person in the F1. And I'm like, I'm the best as well. Like he, he like, not in a boastful way, but he was just like, you know what? Like people can't see him on top. And like, it's, it's something that they just can't fathom some of them, right? Like when he was growing up, they, they were just like, oh, this like, black kid who is not wealthy you know because like Mm -hmm. a lot of people who are like in racing like whether it was like go-kart racing or whatever like he was growing up with there's not a lot of black representation because like you know it's generally like rich families who put their children towards that who can actually like afford the go-karts or the the other like you know equipment that's required for it um so he he really spoke up about that and all of that really really resonated with me because i was just like you know what i have been in those kind of environments before like growing up like just been in like white dominant sports white dominant places yeah just generally and I mean, I feel like you're you're just really spelling out why representation matters. Yeah. You know what I mean? So with Lewis Hamilton specifically, like the reason why I related so much to him was because he only sp- started speaking about it after BLM. Like he's really started making a statement. And I kind of feel that too, because I was just like, I've never really been in a situation where like I've seen someone else react to this. But like now that people are actually speaking about it, I'm just like, yeah, actually, you know what? I've experienced all of those things. Yeah. And, you know, him speaking about that was kind of like, 
I mean, it's not like he was an idol to me or anything. But no, it was just but it like, opened I, the door for you. Yeah, it absolutely did. It absolutely did. I like, think it's interesting, though, that you weren't even, there wasn't even an awareness for you until the door was open. Yeah, yeah. And, and then I you think were that's like, oh, shit. That, that's how it is for a lot of people. Yeah. I definitely struggled with it a lot, but I didn't even realize it until, like, it was pointed yeah. out. Do you know what I mean? What would be the perfect world that you would, how would you be if there, if you weren't worried at all about what anyone was going to say, like, if you go back to the crane guy, like, would you have said something different? Um, specifically about the crane guy, I don't think I would have changed my actions in any way. I think people just have different upbringings, right? Like, yeah. and if I want someone to respect, like, you know, my upbringing and not single me out for the way that I am, I don't particularly feel like I'm in the place to do the same for anyone else, you know, like, even if it is so wrong and like disgusting behavior, like their actions are directly impacted by like their environment. I mean, it's the true definition of ignorance. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. So like, I mean, I've always been a huge advocate for education, Mm -hmm. like and education reform. And I really think that it's very important to like, you know, normalize being in environments where you're not comfortable being in environments where like, you know, your thoughts are challenged or like, like this a curriculum is actually challenging like what um your foundational beliefs yeah what your foundational beliefs yeah. are and what your like cultural beliefs are based on like what's directly around you right yeah like i i've always like thought that's been really important you know what's funny is like as like a person who's not a gen zer i've always come from that place of like i might be the first lesbian you've met I mean, that's less so today, but when I came out in the 90s, right? I might be that. So I'm going to help bring you to this conversation. Mm-hmm. So like I like I always use this Russian analogy. Like if I go to Russia, I don't walk in, speak English when when 99% of the people speak Russian and I don't expect you to know English. I should go and I should try to bring I should try to bring myself to you because you are the majority. Yeah. And I have always felt that same way about like being gay. Like I think that many people don't have that foundational experience to understand it. Mm -hmm. And part of my job is to help you because that's just who I am. Yeah. And this is what producer Steph has given me the eye because I think that that has really flipped now. And that's why I said the Gen Z thing, because I think there's a real like, no, you should come educated and you should come to me and it's your job to do the work. And initially I was really like, fucking headstrong like no fuck you like and now i feel like it's somewhere in the middle is what's appropriate i've always been an educator throughout my whole life like i've always like you know been in an environment where i'm just like i have to explain myself because this is just a culture i'm just from a different culture than you you know like i've moved around and like you know especially like at young age like kids don't really get it so like you just have to explain it to them right and Mm -hmm. i was moving around young so i've always had to do that When I moved to Canada, I really had to do it, right? Like, I really had to be like, oh, yeah, I'm from, like, an Islamic country. You know, this is, like, what we do over there. Yeah, we fast. Yeah, we don't drink water. (laughs) Like, all 30 days. Things like that. And being in this work environment in New York is really interesting because, like, yeah, 95% like white male. And the rest are a mix of people from all different backgrounds. But I'm still in a capacity where I have to be an educator and be like, okay, well, this is, like, my cultural experience, which is why I am doing this. That does feel like a lot of pressure, though. Oh, it's a a lot of work, but I'm so used to it at this point. Do you know what I mean? I know, but like you, you, this is like the third or fourth time that you've said, like, it's fine or I'm used to it. I don't know that that really addresses like how you honestly feel about it. I have a massive tolerance for it because I'm in a professional setting. I'm at work. And so. You also just seem like that kind of person. Like you have a massive tolerance for me right now. 
Yeah, and I, I really mean, appreciate that. <laughs> but you're but the thing is, you're willing to hear, right? If if you're willing to hear, I will tell you about it, and like I w- I don't mind speaking to you about that. Yeah, right. Um, I think it's my social circles where I'm just like I- I'm a lot less tolerant. Interesting. Yeah, because at that point, I'm just like, all right. Because like, now you want to be yourself. Be, yeah, I don't yeah. want to be your first brown friend. I don't want to be your first South Asian friend. I don't want to be your first Muslim friend. I don't want to be your you're, first... You're like, like a, this is like the weirdest analogy. You're like a contractor who comes home and is like, I'm not fixing the pipes. Like, I, <laughs> I, I have been fixing pipes all day long. I'm yeah. fucking off the clock. <laughs> That's exactly like, I am it. not educating you right now. I'm having a cocktail and I'm putting on black nail polish. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, so you, so you do know how you feel. You just have boundaries. Yeah, I do. Like... When I'm saying I don't want to be your first like ex-friend, I'm doing that to people in like a very specific environment where I don't have like a built connection with them, right? Like if it is a friend of a friend, I will be a lot more tolerant. Like it's it's so... It, you have like your own like shading of when... It, it sounds like you are the ultimate code switcher. Like from work, you have your line of what you're willing to accept. Personally, you have your line of what you're willing to accept. You're modulating all day long and it's all relative to the person i'm speaking with because i want to be respectful of their background too right like i mean if they have grown up in you know a small town in texas then you know like i don't mind like going the extra mile to like educate them a bit more i mean i feel like i'm a good judge of character and if i know that someone's not like you know actually taking um in what i'm saying you can tell when a person is is being voyeuristic yeah. and when a person is is open to being educated. I believe that. That's exactly that. it. I think it's just like, you know, what what is it worth at the end of the day, right? Like, I mean, like, what am I achieving at the end of the day? And I'm just like, you know, I have to think about this from my own perspective. Like, am I going to be able to like get through this? Yes, I will be fine if I don't do anything about it. If I did report it, that makes heads turn. That means that, you know, our client has to get involved, which they don't want to do. Our own organization would slap me on the wrist as a result as well, because they'd just be like, why are you making a big deal about this? Don't make waves. Yeah, why are you making waves? You just called that bitch ugly. What's the problem? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's just like, you know, you just came onto this job, right? Like, we just need you to execute what's happening. Like, you know, get the work done. Don't cause any issues with the client. And let's just like get a good review, you know, like get a reference and move on so we can get more jobs in the future, right? And you know what? Like in that situation, like a hundred times over, I would have absolutely done the exact same thing that I just did. Eyes on the prize. I'm going to be making climate policy change that's going to affect millions of people. That one asshole is going to be an asshole his whole life. Yeah. I mean, if it's someone who is on the same team as me um, and they said something out of line like that, and I'm managing that, I'm having a conversation with you to shut that shit down. You're going to the lady in HR and you're saying, handle this. I'm not even going to HR. Like, I think what I want to first do is I want to actually have a conversation with them and just tell them like about how what they did was wrong and how we should not be represented as an organization. I am an educator. I recognize that. And I would want to do that first. Because well, they do say in any work situation, you should first try to sort it. You don't automatically escalate to the boss I yeah. mean, that is like proper protocol in work generally speaking so exactly. you try to work it out with the person and then if they show it again then you go above them i think there's a higher chance of getting hostility from that person if i report them to hr and they wouldn't actually like you know take that information in a positive way they would in fact like turn around and just be like all right cool you said that i'm going against that because like that's what got me in trouble yeah so i in that situation i'd absolutely address it 
Yeah. Um, so that's a very specific like work situation thing, right? Like, I mean, like the situation that we were in with the crane operator, unfortunately, was that this person was contracted by us. Yeah. Sure. But like, it's one of our like subcontractors. Yeah. We're the yeah. contractor. And if we make a big deal about our subcontract, that doesn't, that, that's not something that gets escalated to the client. But if right. the client hears about it, they're just going to be like, why don't you have your shit together? Right. Right. Yep. I just am hearing that there's an awareness if you're going to do this, if you're going to go into an environment where you're different, there's got to be an awareness of what you're about to walk into. Yeah. You need to make decisions as to what it is you're willing to accept and what you're not. What are your lines? And it seems like that needs to be really clear Mm -hmm. for what you're willing to accept and not accept. Yeah. And then you have to, it feels to me like you would need to be constantly evaluating. Has it gone too far? Have the lines shifted? Am Am I putting you know, my needs above this, like, it just seems like you take a lot of mental processing, but you're going to constantly need to be evaluating. And I think that's why I want to leave. <laughs> yeah. So like, don't get me wrong. I've been here for a couple of months. I'm just like, yeah, I want to go to grad school afterwards, but I'm still thinking about leaving Yeah. for another opportunity, even if it is for a couple of months, you know, like, I mean, I just like, I'm, I'm not happy about yeah. that, like yeah. at all. It just doesn't like, is it going to look good on my resume? You know, like those are all things that you have to think about, yeah. right? That's what the pressure is. But like, at the end of the day, I'm not happy in that environment. And I, don't think that I can be of value in an environment like that, right? Like every single time I interact with a person, I'm thinking about what their background is culturally. Yeah. Um, and I'm adjusting myself so that I can speak to them. Like oh I don't want to have to be able such to a weight though. Yes. Yeah. 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 I don't. I don't want to have to do that. The thing is, I think I always frame it in the positive because I always feel like I'm in control of my actions, right? Like I'm participating in this because I want to. Like I am in the situation because I put myself in it and, you know, like that is, I think, what's allowing me to get through it. If I was a passive participant, I wouldn't survive. I know I would not survive. I've been in work environments like that before and I've left. Right. Yeah. Um, And I see these other people that I work with who are also like, you know, part of a minority group. And I just see how passive they are. I'm just like, I could not be you. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you're taking all of this. But like, hey, if all that matters to you is getting that paycheck, then your priorities are different to mine, right? Do you ever consider just like a complete change in direction? Or do you feel like that would be like, I gave up or? No, no, sometimes. No, no, no. I, I wouldn't think of it as giving up. I would just like. I would just make sure that the next thing I do would be impactful where I would be able to like create a difference in that area too. And even if I did go into like a more diverse area, then I would still like, I think I would be challenged differently. I've always been in an environment where I've been like a minority. Mm. Um, So I think that's something else that is definitely like on the horizon. I think I would love to try and experience that. I think you're incredibly powerful. And I just, I think... The way that you're looking at it, the way that you're moving through it is inspirational to me um, because, like you said, you're talking about a whole group of people that wouldn't be able to do what you're doing. And I, I think so many people don't recognize when they're not happy. And once you recognize something, you can make a change. Yeah. You know, And I have all the confidence in the world. You'll make the right next change and you'll be where you should be or where you want to be or like making an impact in a, in a really large way. Yeah, I think like the way that I think about it as well is that, you know what, I need to know what the mindset over here is like too. That's a whole learning experience. That's that's entirely part of this learning process. I knew I was getting into engineering. I knew that this would be a product of it. I didn't know how bad it would be. Yeah. But it is absolutely still a learning opportunity. If I am in a place that's like advising policy and like, you know, I'm I'm trying to work with engineers to figure out like, you know, what's best. 
I need to know how to communicate with them. I need to know the worst and the best that can come out of them. Yeah. And so like what I'm taking this as is a learning opportunity. I mean, I'm not happy. Don't get me. But But you're going to get yourself in a position of power. Exactly. To make change. Exactly. It's not just like the technical experience that I'm getting out of it. Like I'm actively getting like people skills. Oh my God. Your management training is like through the roof. Yeah. I mean, I'm very satisfied with overall where everything is at like you know i'm not desperately looking for other jobs yeah because i'm still i still know that i can like you're still wringing stuff out of the towel yeah exactly and i'm still learning how to like behave around these people right and like how to code switch and like you know i can see that some people in the workspace are a lot more progressive than others and very respectful but like there are some people who are just really difficult to get along with and i'm just i'm i'm enjoying that too to be yeah. honest like i enjoy human interaction i enjoy seeing like you know how ignorant people can be <laughs> and sometimes i enjoy playing around with that too you know like, i will just like you know you fuck with people a little bit yeah i love fucking with people oh my god yeah. well i i just i can't tell you how thankful i am that you were so open this is an important conversation you know there's millions of people in that position of having to show up and work yeah as not who they are or or like having to play to the larger group which fucking sucks. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much you for helping me through this. Like, I don't, I don't I, know I didn't that even I did. Know I needed this so I, much until <laughs> I, I feel like I didn't help anything. We just made it messier. Is what I feel like. But you know, I mean, isn't that what it is sometimes? Like, yeah. I feel like that's the beauty of these conversations. Is like you're sitting with a friend with a drink, and you're just like, let's like really pick this apart, and like yeah. let's let's be willing to say the thing that maybe somebody across the table isn't going to like, but, yeah. and really talk about it. Like, I love that, and I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, not every work environment is the easiest to be your authentic self. If you find yourself in a situation where you are facing microaggressions or outright aggressive actions coming at you, it's not a bad idea to keep a journal where you write down the details of any funky interactions. Now, I'm not suggesting that you walk around with the everyone's out to get me glasses on. Let's not do that. But if you have to escalate a situation to our pal Linda in HR, you always want to have the receipts. Simple entries, dates, times, and what happened are helpful when making a case. It's that time where we get some expert advice from our boss expert of the day. Take it away, Angie. So for my, most of my career, I have definitely been in some form of a lesser represented group. I'm a woman in the workplace. I am Korean American. Um, I grew up in Texas, so not a New Yorker. And growing up, my father, he is Korean. And one of the things he taught me growing up was, you know, you should think of your otherness as a power. Like you should you should think about how you can leverage your otherness to stand out. But with it comes an immense amount of responsibility because if you were the one that represents a group of people, oftentimes the people you interact with will see you as an extension or a representation of a group of people. So my father simultaneously said, you have the ability to do an immensely wonderful thing by being different and representing, but you also have to remember that you carry with it an immense amount of responsibility. And so I thought to myself, how might I be able to just use that as being like, well, what other positive characteristics can I have it associated with that? Oh, this one Asian woman I worked with, she was really smart, or she worked really well with lots of diverse groups of people, or she was really helpful or really friendly or really inviting. 
So I think a lot about the ways in which I can add those other adjectives to complement that inherent perspective I have as being different from others. If you lean on this idea that we're not all a monolith, looking to a single voice, looking to pundits who are speaking to kind of provide a perspective is also giving too much weight to a few individuals. So I try not to ask others for that to say, hey, person of color, please speak on behalf of all of your people. What is your perspective? But what I do say is, you know, I want to get to know an individual and ask them what would they prefer about a situation in the same way that like, I don't think that all Asians speak for me, nor do I speak for them, but I would hope that someone would take the time to get to know what my perspective might be. When I encounter situations at work where I feel as though I have encountered a microaggression, I kind of try to take um, a twofold perspective. One is introspective. I have to then also ask myself, okay, how much of that was my perception of the individual speaking? Like, do I perceive that person to be sexist? And what what is it about that interaction that made it and what was overtly versus maybe subconsciously done? And what was it through some kind of implicit behavior? But I also then when I think about how I externalize it and how I address it with my colleagues or others in the organization, I approach it with like three principles. One is I try to approach it with generosity to say, was this a misstep? People say awkward things. You know, it might have just been a mistake. The second is, is this a series of patterns? So is it just one time? Is it three times? And is it also something that I observe this person or these people doing to other people? Um, And then the lastly, I do try to take a a perspective of educating versus being combative initially about it. And I will talk to people, but I will present it in a way that isn't labeled and put people on the defenses, but taking it from a place of generosity, but also openness to saying, here are the things I want and need. And then from there, I have had situations where I've had to escalate it, to which I will then, instead of addressing it with them, but rather bring it up with HR or my manager, mostly because in a workplace, the main challenge you run into is if people are not aware of the microaggressions, they may not also be willing to observe them or not self-aware enough to, and in which case then it's not about the individual accepting that they can actually change those behaviors. You have to look to the institution to help reinforce the cultural behaviors that you need to see out in the workplace. And in which case, in many cases, it has to be then be structural. It has to be process. So if it's about the fairness of assignments, if it's about the exposure for speaking, then those kinds of things can be like on a rotation basis. There are ways that you can make it more fair. Ugh, I have no idea how I got so lucky with so many smart friends, but thank God they are available to just drop by this podcast and share all that knowledge. Thank you so much, Angie. Okay, folks, that is it for today. But before we go, I want to say so many thanks to Yaz for sharing his work-life journey with us. For more Robin, and you may need that. You probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it.